What's going on, everybody? 360 Digital Closing Bell here. I am your humble, humble correspondent, Michael Tanner. Joined for our Week Look Back podcast, episode number 40. Holy smokes, we are now officially a middle-aged man here on August 14th, 2020. As always, I'm joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, Oil and Gas 360. Come Stuart Turley, who's just down the street from me in Denver. How you doing? I'm doing. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood here in Denver. It we is. Are you are. Uh, I saw you. I, I, you know, t- a little inside baseball. I got to see Stu's work set up today. You want to talk about cords and screens, people? You'd be jealous. You'd be jealous. And that's out of my my lab. I got a mobile lab. The that's exactly what it is. You are the Walter White of mobile lab setups. Um, that is awesome, guys. We have a great show for you lined up. We're going to whip around the oil patches. bunch of different stories I just want to touch on. We'll check in in the levels, check in um, with the DOE numbers. Um, the suspended 360 non-official fund is still suspended. But, I mean, guys, we, we'd be a cash cow so far if we in there. First, guys, just subscribe to the 360 Digital Closing Bell. iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, the best way to stay up to date on all of your energy marketers. You can also find us via the Oil & Gas Show from Entercom. We're going to be start double posting these shows. So if you're listening to us on that channel, thank you for finding us there. You'll be seeing all of these shows. I'll, I'll be dropping them both feeds, but you can check us out anywhere. You can also check us out on Intercom's YouTube channel. Follow Intercom and Oil and Gas 360 on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever you can. Wherever you can post, we're on there. Connect with me and Stuart on LinkedIn. Stu also runs the Energy 360 podcast, which is an energy thought leadership podcast, which, to be honest, in the face of this, uh, we've honestly done 25 energy expert <laughs> network interviews over the past week. We just haven't been able to, to release them yet. Oh, it, uh, we are smoking. Uh, we've got some big, uh, big hitters. Uh, we've had some, uh, we got even bigger hitters lined up inside baseball. Big hitters. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it'll be, uh, we'll, we'll be bringing you some podcasts and, and be dropping them right after, um, sometime into next week. We got the conference, the oil and gas conference coming up that has honestly been taking pretty much a lot of our time. So it's been good. You know, we don't want to bore you to death. I remember, you know, last show, Stu, I, I, we did a little half episode. I joked with everybody. I was only going to go like five, but we, uh, five or 10 minutes. Ended up going 20. We did, uh, the, the, the earnings call for the podcast though. We, uh, oh, yeah. we, we held a quarter two earnings call. Non-GAAP subscribers, net subscribers, 9.2 million. It was a good quarter for us. It was a good quarter for us. Yeah, you know what non-GAAP means, don't you? I do. What it, it, Enlighten me. Uh, it means you can hide anything you want. Exactly. So that's how we ended up with 9 million subscribers. It's how Rob Peterson, Senior Vice President of Oxy, is able to say in his earnings call... Listen to this. Listen to this. I read their earnings call. This is this is just a side note. This just kills me. It's just quote. Additionally, we have incurred blah blah blah, hundred million of debt, hundred fifty million in acquisition transition costs, and then he literally has the, the the they literally have the wherewithal to say this, dude. Quote: Our commitment to capital discipline and liquidity and preservation was evident as we exited June with the same cash balance as we reported for April thirtieth. Are you, you kidding know what? me? I- I think he's on the ticket to run for a politician here. Yeah, exactly. I think he's aiming for he's he's aiming for an ambassadorship. He's aiming for the Department of Energy chair. That so what do you we're, our commitment to capital discipline outside of the fact that we're thirty five billion dollars in debt and I was the one that signed off on a thirty five billion dollar increase in our debt. Outside of that, 
yeah, no, we still have 10 bucks in our account, and we didn't spend any of it last month. So, yay. I mean, that's literally what he said. Yeah, I know I'm, you know, I know we're $35 billion in debt, but I had 20 bucks in my account last month, and guess what, Stu? I didn't spend it. So, can you give me credit for that? Please, please, please. Can you give me credit? Please, please, Dad, please. Can I get credit? No, you can't. No. We're not giving you credit. We're not no, you... giving you credit for that. So, that was one thing, you know, not to dive too deep into Oxy, but they had their earnings call this week, and that was just one of the things that... <laughs> It just killed me. And but you know, I, I I think that they can pull it around the corner, and I think that they do have some things coming. So um, I don't know. You know I, uh, I I think the I don't know. I think they have great. I think they have good resources. I think they have great. I mean, if you look at their income statement, um, I mean, I, I hate looking at an income statement, but I mean, they don't even have. I mean. My my thing with Oxy is they only have six billion or eight billion in total assets. Eight billion in total assets compared to thirty five billion in debt. It, that ratio is not good. We're 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 going to talk about Chenier later, Stu. They have thirty five billion in debt, but they have about thirty four billion in assets that if they needed to, they could sell off to liquidate this debt. That's my problem with Oxy. You're only making. Two and a half. I mean, you know, to give you an idea, you're making at your peak, you're making four and a half billion a quarter. Okay, so four times four is sixteen and, billion. And I don't. That's not per- enough. That's there's not enough dough to go around. What were some of their purchases before? Tell me what they did last year to buy them some things. What do you mean? Didn't they make some acquisitions last year? Yeah, they bought Anadarko. Yeah, there are some fabulous fabulous uh um properties in anadarko there are but at but okay so like here's that's great but you can overpay for anything you can overpay for the best property in the world that's uh, i just don't think there's enough cash to go around i i trust me Stu. i used to live on when i was working startup life it was slim dollar bills slim dollar bills i was talking i probably have given first bank in colorado over a thousand dollars in just low withdrawal fees Dipping under zero, pulling back. I know th- th- this balance sheet looks like my early days. My early days bank account. There's a lot of credit card debt, and there's not enough income. Co- I that's just. I, I love the rock. It's not that it's bad rock. It's not that I don't like the people. Just look at this. I think they're presenting at the oil and gas conference. Oxius. Yes. Really. I no, they're can't. not. I was like, no, they're not presenting. No, I like, I like Oxy. I think Vicky Hollow. I, you know, one of my, you know, Tisha Schuler, who we'll have to do that read. We'll, we'll fit that read into segment two. I totally skipped over her read, but uh, my good friend Tisha Schuler is really close with Vicky and, and really admires her. And I think she, I think it's awesome that 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 that. that um, uh, if they they should be presenting so that our consulting division could help them. <laughs> exactly. Well, because I and to be honest, the consulting is eh, I don't know. The the consulting is is not much to do with thirty five billion in debt. And get this, they're losing seventy. They lost seventy six. This is another thing that kills me. They so so they they took out ten billion in cash to because remember it's a fifty seven billion dollar bill for Anadarko. Woof. Woof. Okay? 57 bills. 35 of that was debt. The other yep. 10 
was cash from Warren Buffett. The rest was was sort of paid out, and and they're working. Okay, so get yep. this: they owe they owe Berkshire Hathaway. If you break it down per quarter, about eight hundred million. Now I don't know what the maturity dates are on that. I, I could go look them up, but I don't. I, you know, so I don't know if it's eight hundred million a quarter. But sort of works out to me. I think it was a eight year maturity plan. So if you just divide ten billion by sixteen quarters, that's what you get. You know what I mean? Right. It was like eight hundred. Free cash flow is tough. Oh yeah, free cash flow is especially because now. So you 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 not only do you owe Warren Berkshire Hathaway money, but then you take out interest rate swaps on those senior notes, and you lose another seventy six million on them this year. So I mean, that's what kills me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not only are you paying, you're you're paying senior notes on debt to Berkshire Hathaway, but then you're losing interest rate swaps on them. It's like. So they got to call Aegis. Get Aegis on the phone. They'll help you out with this. Aegis so, is good. They're real Aegis. good. Aegis, oh, they... I'm telling you, this is nothing against Oxy. It's just, I don't, I'm, I'm literally looking at this cash flow statement, Stu. The numbers just don't, they don't work. It doesn't, the numbers don't add up. Even yeah, if you don't. take, even if you take out their asset impairment charge and depreciation, depreciation and amortization, because those are two things that are tax write-offs. Okay, you take off all of the tax things, so they still lost money last quarter. Okay. I, I, I'm not a man, but there are good people over there. Well, of course, that doesn't mean anything. I'm a great person, and I almost went bankrupt once. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's nothing to do with my being a good person. I, should, I don't know if the numbers work out, and I don't think they're going to go bankrupt. I personally think someone's going to buy them. Because like you said, they have great rock. They have good people. Someone with a lot of money is going to come in and figure out a way to to per I that's what I think this Michael what? I think you are dead on right well it's with this earnings statements thing I think the super majors one of them they can afford they can do this and I don't know if it would be a uh, uh, an acquisition I think it'd be more of a, a merger I don't think you're gonna see an apps you know I don't think you're gonna see one of these super majors out out buying because you can't I mean they still have a they have a large market cap I mean they're still doing two you know three billion in revenue a year. So, or a quarter. I mean, you're still doing 12 bills in revenue a year. You can't, that's, you can still, that's a good number to have. That's revenue yeah. you can, you can bank home. So, and what do they always say? You know, I don't know. What, what is the multiplier for, for oil and gas M&As on EBITDA? What, what do you, what, what do we normally see? This is from Andrew Dittmer said this in his energy expert interview, and I'm forgetting it. It was like, um, I think that, no, I, I, like two or three, right. I think. I think yes, it's two or three because I know like tech is ten. Like if you do like like techno pure technology is yeah. like a ten. So to, I guess to give you an idea, guys, what we're talking about. We're talking about so if you know Stu and I, if we had a lot of money and we would go acquire companies, how you value what a company is is a lot of times you take EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, blah blah blah, blah, blah amortization, blah blah. And there's a multiplier on that, which constitutes basically multiply that number by whatever. And that's what the, I guess the overall would be the value of what you would ideally want to do. And different industries have different multipliers. Technology generally, it's 10 times EBITDA because technology is just super scalable. I mean, think about it. It's pretty easy to roll out a SaaS platform and scale that because there takes less people. Trust me, scaling consulting is hard because you get another project. Guess what? You need another person to work on it. It's hard to get to an equilibrium level where you have enough from a consultant. But tech is easy to scale, so that's why they get a 10. Oil and gas, what is it, like two, three? It's a two or three, but you and I have laughed about EBITDAC. 
-hmm. And uh, because COVID has allowed companies to write off so much money in Q2, the formula has changed. And I can't figure that formula out right now because nothing is predictable in the oil and gas industry right now. So that, no. either that two to three that we talked about on that uh, podcast, good, good information. But I have no idea what the EBITDAC uh, earnings before taxes, amateurs and after amateurization and COVID. Yeah. And yeah. no one's... I don't know. If, if Since I'm in the prediction mode, it's, you know, I think someone's going to acquire Occidental. And who's got the money to do that? It's a super major. And I don't think these super majors are going to go out right by them. I think it's going to be just a merger. I think it's going to be, think about, I mean, think about ExxonMobil and XTO. I mean, I, I think I think that is a great, Yes. I would say part or great, what I say, case study. Today, it's probably what it's going to look like. Does it, Oxy's probably not going to have a different name. You know, they're probably going to keep Oxy's the same name. They'll probably keep everything the same other than just start having a consolidated balance sheet because that's what you look at when when, when you do ExxonMobil's earnings. XTOs yep. are included in that. When we look at Chenier, we're going to go through at some point here. We're already 13 minutes into this thing. We haven't even moved on to item number two on this list. But we're going to get to Chenier's too. They've got like 45 subsidiaries, that, 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 and that's where it really gets interesting. So all in all, I think when you look at Oxy, you know, to kind of wrap Oxy's earnings statement up, I mean, great company. It's just the, the numbers don't look, the, the numbers don't seem to add up to me, Stu. I'm looking at this cash flow statement. This looks like my bank account startup life, which was, which was, which was, whoo. If, if this bottom of the screen is zero, I'm like this. I'm this, if you can see. So it's bad. So, uh, you know, another company that released earnings this week was Parsley. Honestly, you know, considering their drop in revenue from, you know, they do about 500 million, you know, a, a, a quarter in revenue. They dropped to 187 million this quarter, only ended up losing about 75 million, which is a testament to just being able to stay. Now, they also lost 280 million on derivatives. So there's your three-way callers coming up to bite you in the booty. <laughs> Yeah, so that doesn't hurt, but, you know, I think Parsley gets, you know, they've been the butt of my joke for a little bit, mostly because of the three-way callers, and that's... Oh, come on, Michael. That's partly hey, why, hey, $280 million hey. on a quarter. Wonder why? Anybody could be the butt end of your joke. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a walking target for you. That's, that's fair. I, I tend to find that... <laughs> that's fair enough. Um... But yeah, so partially just just kind of give you an overview revenues of two hundred twenty million down from about uh, two hundred twenty million. Sorry, that was oil sales was one hundred eighty seven million total revenues, um, two hundred twenty million compared to about uh, five hundred million in uh, that running. I mean, they they run about you know two hundred ninety five million of co of expenses per quarter. They were able to drop that by twenty percent, you know, from 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 quarter to quarter. So yeah, I mean. It, I mean, it, it's not as bad as I think. It's not as bad as Oxy's. I'll give you that much. The numbers work. You just, the lesson from, from Parsley's, don't do three-way callers. You can get yourself into costless callers. All you have to do is pay a contract fee to who's ever executing these trades for you. All agents can do is charge you a little fee per contract. Uh, you get it? You get it? Because that's what happens. Because a, a caller, you sell, you, you buy a, you, you sell a, a ceiling and you buy a, and you buy a floor. 
All right, it might be flip. And then you buy a ceiling and you sell a floor. Right. Well, the premiums, the moment you sell, the, the, the or moment you buy the ceiling, guess what? You're in the money, which means you make cash. So that offsets the premium from your floor, hence costless collar. So guys, all these guys, all he just is going to charge a little contract fee. He's going to charge a little fee to execute the trade. That's all he's going to do. And you're not going to be make, losing $280 million in a quarter. Hey, uh, what do we call this? Uh, earning before taxes and after amortization, and I'm not as bad as Oxy. Oh, woof. There you go. That's not bad. We'll have to add in loss on derivatives just because that's my – it's my favorite – as you guys tell, that's my favorite line item to look at because trading is near and dear to my heart. So I always like to look at how they're doing. And go back to Oxy. I actually know I one of my roommates, his dad was a natural gas trader for Oxy. They didn't have a great – traders at Oxy did not have a great quarter. Um, where was it? Where was it? Where was it? Where was it? Here we go. Here we go. <sighs> this is what happens when you try to find stuff live on the pod. Where was it? I literally saw it. It was... They lost a little bit. Hmm. Derivatives trading. Derivatives trading. Oh, here we go. No, no, no. Where's it? I can't find it. Now I look like an idiot. No, you don't. You Where is like it a... on this statement? How can you look like an idiot on a podcast? I'm just kidding. I just, this is this is great. This is uh, uh, great content for people. Me just scrolling through a 10K trying to find the number. Well, point is, I don't think they had a great. Yeah, they, they're trying to tell. They're trying to tell me they have a operating cash flow. They're actually trying to tell us they have operating cash flows of 1.6 billion <laughs> for the six months ending 2020. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, good one. Good one. That's like my wife trying to go shopping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's like me saying I make Nah, if you if you if you don't include rent, utilities, food, yeah, I'm probably I probably make six figures. That's a yeah, lot. I don't air. make anywhere close. <laughs> what? I was trying to find it. That kills me. Point is, I know someone who trades natural gas over to Oxy. They're great people. The numbers <laughs> just don't look good. Um those are really the two big earnings things I wanted to, I wanted to go over. Um, the other story that I thought was interesting this week, we talked about it on ooh, Wednesday's closing bell. We skipped yesterday's closing, but I felt I just I woke up this morning, kind of felt bad. I was like, man, we had like a two hundred day streak going, and we just cap it. So we're gonna have to at least get a closing bell in today. Um, oh yeah, but uh, uh, we I think we ran this. We ran Brookfield buying Blackstone Stake and Chenier Energy Partners. That was a, a when I think I dropped Wednesday talking about acquisitions, mergers, divestitures. Um, so Brookfield is an asset management company, actually a, a publicly tr uh, traded company. Bam. I wonder if this is, they also have a, they have an SPAC. I don't think it's their specific SPAC, but they're negotiating with Blackstone Group, friend of Entercom, who's a private equity firm, to acquire its 41.2% stake in Chenier Energy Partners. The position is worth an estimated $7.8 billion. Woof. Nice. So, that is well, yeah, and so I think there's a couple interesting things from this. First, I think it's clear natural gas infrastructure and because it's Chenier Energy Partners is not Chenier Energy, by the way, because I think that's a big thing. That When I first read this, you know, and this is not when I first, I guess I knew Chenier Energy and Chenier Energy Partners were different, but I think people could get that confused. This is not Chenier Energy. This is Chenier Energy Partners, who's a subsidiary of Chenier. Chenier owns the other 48, there's like 48, 
I have it up. I think it's like they own 49.8% or like, I think they're a, just a very minimal minority partner at like 48% and there's a 41% or I think Blackstone owns the other half or whatever, but they're selling about 41% of it and only dropping it down. So what is Chenier Energy Partners? Well, they operate liquefied natural gas export terminal in Louisiana and the Gulf of Mexico. Well, that makes sense, guys. What, what is it? Natural gas infrastructure. If because it's the because what guys guess what it's like I'm I'm gonna start calling midstream pipelines like bitcoins because you can't get yeah. new bitcoins. I don't think we're gonna have new pipelines too. I think I think there is a finite supply of of pipelines. I don't think you're gonna see any more. And if you've got them, you're 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 a goal. You're we're saying you're up the creek with a couple paddles and a motor. I'm gonna throw a little futures at you. Uh, because you can put hydrogen in a natural gas pipeline, I think that infrastructure for natural gas pipelines is phenomenal futures. You nailed it. There is no more. By the way, it will help support uh, renewable energy. So holy cow, Batman, you got a two strike uh, or a two hit right there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. You, can you see why I'm big on Chenier? Well, let's dive into it because this you're we're talking you're talking about two different companies. This is Chen, we're talking about Chenier Energy is different. So let's go ahead and dive in because this is what I, I think is interesting. So let's yeah. let's talk about the legal structure of Chenier Energy. So the parent company, Chenier Energy Inc. Right. Has a hundred percent working interest in Chenier LNG terminals and Chenier Marketing LLC and its subsidiaries. Both private companies owned by Chenier Energy. Chenier Energy trades under the ticker symbol LNG. They have a limited partnership with a 48.6% working interest in Chenier Energy Partners LP, trading under the ticker CQP. The other 49.4% held by Blackstone Group with a 2% interest held by other stockholders. So there you go. So Chenier Energy owns 48% of Chenier Energy Partners. And so when you want to look at how this deal looks like you have to look at Chenier Energy or CQP's income statement. So, of course, I did that. Don't worry. I did that. Don't worry. I pulled it up. So, but let's look at the difference. So, let's go to did I pull up Chenier's? Here we go. Chenier Energy. So, this is the parent company. Parent company does about, and we ran this on the closing bell. Eh, what do they do? Let's see here. Cash flow statement. Here we go. 2.2 billion in revenue. 2.4 billion in revenue. What does Chenier Energy Partners do? Chenier Energy Partners does 1.4 of that. Because because it's a subsidiary, it can be a consolidated cash flow statement. So it's all different types. That of that 2.4 billion, that includes so what's 48%? What's half of that? 750 million? It's a nice cool 750 million. So there you go. That's when you talk about revenue, $750 million going over there. And so, $750 million in quarterly revenue. What's What are they saying? Uh, let's see here. Cash flow from operations, balance sheet. What are they saying EBITDA is? Because I think this is I think this is a 6x, Stu. I think when I did the math, this is a 6x multiplier because it's $7.8 billion. I thought EBITDA was one billion. It's like a seven, six, seven multiplier when I did the math. Unbelievable. 
un 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 unbelievable. So, um, or excuse me, um, I think I'm doing my math wrong because this is only 49%. Point is, 7.8 billion for four. So they're valuing Chenier Energy Partners at about 14 billion, which is. 7.8%, 48% of that is Chenier Energy, which is the big boy company. So it's just interesting. You, I would go look at Chenier Energy Partners, or Chenier Energy, excuse me, Inc., trading under the ticker symbol LNG. I would go take a look at their abbreviated legal entity structure. It's on their 10Q. It's wild. A lot of stuff. It's like, I didn't even know. They own the, they, they own the, the Sabian Pass Liquefaction Center, but that's all under Chenier Energy Partners. They own, yeah, it's a pretty intense interest that um you know why it's set up that way oh taxes i'm sure uh and also um there's a couple other different reasons but that's for a whole nother podcast yeah and this is not i'm not this this is we there are experts that handle this i just find it very interesting and you have to you have to understand what the working interest and what the interest is so that you can read a cash flow statement figure out what they're worth so yeah i don't know why you set this up i'm sure there's some i'm sure sheer energy is based out of the bahamas somewhere and they're saving a boatload of cash on uh on taxes because i'm trying to do the same thing. i'm trying to set my entity up in the bahamas some island in the pacific where it's just zero they actually pay me to set up my business there you and i are going on a road trip <laughs> we are and we're gonna hop on a boat and go somewhere and not see anybody for two weeks i'm not taking no, i i'm not taking a zoom call for the next two weeks once this conference is over you will you just have to call me directly or you don't get a hold of me no i'm about to go staple my head to the carpet well don't just at least wait Till the uh, at least wait till the conference is over. The other interesting thing that dropped today, or not today, this week, Southwestern Energy Company and Montage Resources have entered into a merger agreement. It's an all an all stock transaction, which basically means if you're a Southwestern Energy stockholder, you're getting diluted. Sorry, Montage Resources, you get about 1.8 shares of Southwestern, um, which is actually a pretty good deal. Um, I love the uh, press release. Highlights. 100 million of free ca- of annual free cash flow. Really? I've looked at Montage Resources income state or cash flow statement. It don't look that good. It don't look th- it don't look that good. So, uh that'll be interesting. Non-gap. Uh, I'm sure it was non-gap. Beginning in 2021 based on current strip pricing. Current and and that's probably SEC strip pricing, which is like fifty six bucks. So just wait till the S, because this is what'll be interesting. Next year at the oil and everyone's doing math. Sorry, I was this was this has been bothering. Me. Uh, we've been seeing all these presentations, Stu. Everybody's doing all of their math of SEC strip pricing, which is like fifty six bucks right now, right? Right. I get that. That okay. That's what you need. That's what you use when you book reserves. But I'm not a booker of reserves. I'm trying to figure out how much your company should be worth. Don't tell me oil's fifty six bucks. I can look at the price right here. But we have we are the amazing Kreskin cannot figure out what the, is coming around the corner. No, and, and nobody can. So, point is at the current strip. Hopefully, that's the actual strip and not my SEC strip. Because the next time I see that, I will staple my head to the carpet. Great, I get it. If I was making a hundred thousand dollars a year, I would be able to pay my rent on time. Yes, I totally agree with that but i'm not just kidding i'm paying my rent on time to my landlord i'll get you rent this month don't worry i'll get you your rent this month um 
But that'd be interesting. Southwestern stock tank like five and a half percent, but that's actually because you're getting diluted. That's exactly what should happen. So I actually thought it should tank a little more. I didn't think this was a terribly great deal for Southwestern shareholders, especially because you're getting diluted. But I think when you look at the preferred side of uh, of where a lot of the, their uh, preferred debt, uh, preferred note holders are, they probably made out okay. But I think if you're a common stockholder, you kind of gotta. Uh, they they kind of took away your paddles while you're trying to uh, swim up river. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, um, how this plays out. Rig counts did drop this morning or in the week. Um, excuse me, drop this morning. They'll drop later today, but because uh, because we we love Inveris and we, and when we get a little access to their data, we get a little head start. Oil and gas rigs up three two hundred eighty eight, and what's great is oil focus rigs above two hundred for the first time. Um, in a hot minute. I think it was like four or five months, which was really, really good. Um, gas rigs were up to 88. Rig counts in the DJ, the Bakken, and the Marcellus were each flat. Scoop stack was down. Uh, Texas um, Permian Basin was down. But Eagleford had one rig... Um, um, had one rig increase to 10. So that's what's interesting. Rigs are up by two, but in none of the main place. So you see what you, you see where it is. It was the only the Haynesville added two rigs. So you know what that means? Gas, gas, gas. Yeah. Uh, Haynesville's good people. Hey, no, they a lot of good people. Uh, crude oil output fell 10.7 million barrels, which is down another 300,000 barrels. We're dipping low. I, I was expecting, and now a lot of this is because, you know, drilling isn't coming back. But I this is this is a little lower for the number than I thought, especially because there's a lot of people cheating on their, 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 <laughs> their production cuts. We saw them in the 10 Qs. Yeah, it also came out. On August 11th, revised its 2020 forecast. Oh, who would have guessed that for U.S. oil production? 11.26 million barrels per day. So, I mean, they're seeing, they're seeing this is becoming the new normal. I don't know. I think, I think we'll see 12 before not too long. But that's just me. I'm um, gonna very interesting to see how much. I think it depends. It depends how much these rig comes back. You know, we sat through a couple of really interesting interviews yesterday that, that that'll air at the oil and gas conference. You know, there are some companies that are a little more bullish on, on oil production than others. So I, I think it'd be very interesting to tune in and see that. Crude stocks had themselves a really, really good uh, good week. Um, there's a draw, which was mainly on the U.S. Gulf Coast, which was really good. But commercial crude inventories dipped by 4.5 million barrels down to 513, only putting them about five, 15% above their five-year averages, With who is really good. Atlantic Coast inventories, which is the key, because I mean, you're talking about coronavirus has hit the East Coast much harder. They're down almost about a million barrels, which was really, really good to see. Midwestern crude stocks jump. Cushing actually jumped a little bit, but we're so, we've now sort of gotten away from that issue. It's kind of funny. Everyone was talking about a new contract, Stu. Where did that go remember, that's like net neutrality remember net neutrality was here everyone was going to pay 10 bucks to tweet and then it went away and now yeah. everyone was worried about oh we need to change the nymex contract and now i have heard it's crickets oh yeah that you and i were kind of laughing about that that was one of those we knew. Like, and it's not that and it's not that i necessarily it's not that i guess i did not think of that before but it's just kind of funny the the news cycle it's like everyone was hot on that i we did a whole show on that. These new, it, we I, did a whole show on the, the remember the, the S&P, the, the, the new, what is it, like the Platts? They're doing like Gulf Coast Select, the AGS. And I think in theory, they have some great ideas. Implementation is tough and impossible, if you want my honest opinion. Uh, I have ideas. I know how to tie a shoe. Do you think anybody else is going to tie a shoe differently in the world? 
Yes. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I no, I don't think so. So I completely, I completely get it. Um, yeah, I mean, really, it's just that crude oil production number, Stu, at 10.7 million. That gets me a little bit. Last thing that happened, you know, because we got to stick with the ESG theme on the podcast. Uh, Phillips 66 is taking their largest California refinery, Stu, and flipping it to produce renewable fuels. It's going to be the world's largest renewable energies fuels facility, expected to be online in 2024. The Santa Maria and Rodeo carbon plants are the ones that are going to get shut in. 120,000 barrels a day in Rodeo, California, to produce renewable fuels. You know what I'd like to see? What? Uh, uh, I would like to see some of our clients that actually can go and measure uh, the CO2 outputs before and then after, because I do not believe that the renewable output in CO2 in manufacturing will be any different. No, opinion. it won't. Newsflash, it won't. No. And, and they're already skirting around. Philip 66 knows the gig, because here's what they say they're producing. 680 million gallons of renewable diesel, gasoline, and sustainable jet fuel. What does that even mean? Renewable gasoline? What does that mean? What does Ethanol. renewable gasoline even mean? Ethanol. <laughs> but ethanol's like 80% gasoline. You see where I'm going? No, I I'm just telling you like even th- they're, they're they're telling you in the article. Yeah, we're we're just going to throw a little corn in there and probably have some like they probably just going to have some carbon capture and they're throwing some corn and they're like, "Look at us." Oh, Great. Yeah. Good for you, Greg Garland, Philip 66 CEO. We see you though. I had a friend that was doing 100% renewable diesel. Uh, he was going around town pulling uh, all the fryer vat uh, from restaurants. And anytime he got in his truck, he smelled like McDonald's French fries. Now that's renewable. That's a truck I would drive. That's one car I would drive if every time I turned it on, I could smell like some hot, crispy, salted McDonald's fries. Yeah, you could convince me to do that. So yeah, I mean, I mean, as we said, green is uh, green is going. They expect you know they expect strong returns through the sale of high value products while lowering the plant's operating costs. But you want to know why, Stu? You want to know why they think they're going to make money off this? How come subsidies? Producers of renewable gasoline are eligible for a $1 a gallon EPA blenders tax credit, BTC, and adding in the value of California's low carbon fuel standard credit currently priced around $150 gives uh, $195 uh, per metric ton. It gives the renewable diesel a significant premium over regular diesel, and there's legitimately nothing different. I mean, literally, we're just subsidizing Phillips 66 to go make more. That's what the federal government is doing right now. That's what they're telling you in these articles. And, and it's hard to imagine, but Phillips 66 uses that in their marketing as we are green. Green. And we're so smart. No, you're not. You're, I mean, you're smart, but it's just. The fact. Smart, why, why, how, why do we have a blender's tax credit? A dollar per gallon? Okay. If, if you want to drive. Never mind. No, I'm, I'm an economics guy. I get the idea of subsidies. Subsidies work. And the oil and gas industry, not to, you know, we're going to play both sides, is a recipient of hundreds of billions in subsidies and tax credits every single year. Not as much as solar and not as much as wind. 
Well, yes, and they are more on the the tax side of things. This right. is not. We're not necessarily giving. We're not giving a thought. We're not the gov- U.S. government's not paying a dollar for every gallon of oil produced. That's not what's happening. No, you know, but it's, hey, it's our our taxpayer money. Yeah. No, I mean, it's. Subsidy, I think, tax board. Uh, and of What's course, it's in California because they're getting an extra. They're getting an extra subsidy on top of that. At least they're at least they're goosing the the, the Californians. That's fine with me. I oh, lived there I'm, for nine months too. I couldn't get out of there quicker. Oh yeah, um, uh, a few times that I've been to Venice Beach, I couldn't live there. I uh, hate Ashbury. Holy oh, Batman! I was down in Huntington, and ooh, Stu, not that fun. They do. I will say they do call Huntington Beach the redneck capital of California. So it was a little, little. I would say a little looser. Remember the riots because of the ma- of uh, all the ma- the mask policy in California. Yeah. That was Huntington Beach. I remember watching the news like, man, that looks familiar. I was like, oh, I used to <laughs> run there every day. Oh, that's that's the pier. Now, are you, were you running like Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Running Man, where they were no, all no, running? No. I would actually not run down by the beach because I didn't want to be that. Uh, that person. If I ran down by the beach, it was like before the sun came up. Um, I, you know, I was not that guy on the beach running. Trust me. I, those people annoy me. Not annoy me. They just make me laugh. Shirt off, glistening sweat down them. It's like, bro, like you're only running a mile and a half. Like I get it. Yeah, but you run in a sweater. I do. That's I. I run with a shirt on regardless, because you the world don't don't need to see the sweater. Um. But I think with that, let's go ahead and just finish up and dive into the levels of oil. This segment is sponsored by our friends at Adam and Teen Energy. I should have done this read at the beginning of the podcast, but we do it now. They're really solving the question, what is social risk for the energy sector? And if you work for an oil and gas company, if you're an executive in an oil and gas company, it's really not just community opposition to all of your development projects. It's everything from the success, from the divest of fossil fuels movement, to all this investor engagement around your ESG programs, to all these states sending these wildly ambitious decarbonization agendas. Really, honestly, it seems like social risk seems like it's everywhere, and it's multiplying like zombies, and that's why your company needs a strategic partner to help assess and prepare for all of this social risk and how to energy is the leading consultancy. It's helping oil and gas companies prepare for all this social risk. They're led by Tisha Shuler, who's the former CEO of the Colorado and Gas Association. Check everything out. Adam at Teen Energy. www.energythinks.com. We love them. Check them out. Energythinks.com. I mean, we look at levels this week. Markets open right now. Just open a uh, pit opened about eight minutes ago. It's currently uh, seven thirty-eight. If you're if you're listening, to this oil. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Woo! It was about forty-two bucks. I got the COVID. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't. I'm completely normal. Uh, forty-two even um, for oil trading right now. Stu perked up hard. He was looking at his notes. I saw him look up hard. Just. Uh, Hey, you're anything but normal, dude. I feel you. I feel you. So, uh, really, when I look at the levels, we saw 43.50 as the high this week. <coughs> Excuse me. I got to take a swig of water here. <laughs> I'm talking too much. I'm just. This has been a grind episode for me. We're already 45 minutes in, and I haven't even we haven't got to the levels yet, guys. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, 43.50 was the high for the week. Um, price action was fairly bullish 
No, I'm sorry, no, 43.50 was last week. High of the week was uh, 42.75. Price action was fairly flat. I mean, that's what we called at the beginning of the episode or beginning of the week. Um, if you listen to my, my, my episode 39 and a half, I was kind of fairly neutral on oil. I, th- I think there's a couple good levels, 41.36, 41.87, point of control being 42.25. I think those are big levels to look at. You know, I think if you're looking to, if, if, if you're bullish, I think getting in at 41.87, 41.36 is a good idea. If you're looking to short, you know, I think we're going to see 43-ish at some point. If, if we can crack 40, you know, if we crack 42.70, I think we're going to run a little bit and see 40 through 50. The problem is uh, I don't think we, you know, it could be a nice little cap. So if you are looking to, to run a couple channel shorts, I think 42, you know, I think at 42.50, 42.70 is a, a good entrance point. Um, as we mentioned, um, in part one, uh, in segment one, uh, crude oil inventories um, low a little bit, so that actually caused a real bullish run in um, in crude oil API drops. You know, as you remember, the API American Petroleum Institute drops their drops their forecast two thirty Mountain Standard Time Tuesday, and at eight thirty Wednesday Mountain Standard Time, you get the actual EIA report. So sometimes you see a little afternoon spurt on Tuesday, depending on what the forecast is here and there. So. Um, that's sort of what ran oil up, and then kind of over the last two days, it sort of tumbled. Hey, everyone's just gearing up for the oil and gas conference, too. Markets just want to stay flat, and we'll, we'll probably start seeing some more action come into next week. Yeah, um, all the analysts are going to be watching. They will be watching. We interviewed a couple. Great interview yesterday. Shout out to Dave Anderson over at Barclays. I am Great. not as tapped into the oil field services market as I wish I was. And to be completely honest with you, I was I was blown away. I was blown away. I thought it was I thought it was a great presentation. It was just really fascinating how these you know when you talk about how analysts. Yeah, it's just it's 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 awesome, really. How about the one uh, from the partner at Rystat yesterday as well too? That was good. That was good. That was good. That was good. Are you awake? It was really good. Sorry, I just got a notification on my computer. I thought I was bumming out of storage here, so. All right, guys. Um, there was an article by Reuters that dig that dug into uh, a lot of stuff that's going on over at High Crush. Um, so I know everyone's reading that. Um, it doesn't look good. Um, sounds like the CEO do, do is not in nepotism. It would have been fun to work at High Crush if you were an executive. You got you got paid. But we'll dive into that on uh, this weekend. We'll have a, a week look back or week ahead podcast for you guys. We'll probably cut it Sunday because Monday, we're not cutting it Monday morning. I'll tell you that much, Stu. So we'll probably be Sunday, but we'll talk high crush. We'll kind of dive into that article a little bit because I wanted to talk about it. I ran out of time. And as I'm just kind of reading through it, there's just a lot to dig into. And some some things I agree with that you can blame, you can blame them for. Some things I don't. Do I think it's a hit piece? No. Do I think Reuters might have an axe to grind with High Crush? Well, yeah, they're a bankrupt oil field services provider. Kick them while they're down. It's easy to you. It's you know they're it's easy to throw punches at a company while they're down. Now, does that excuse some of the fiscal irresponsibility that was happening? Absolutely not. So we will cover it from both sides, as we always do here on the 360 Digital Closing Bell. With that, though, we're going to let you guys get back to work. Thank you for checking us out here on the world's greatest website and podcast network, oilandgas360.com. We will see you guys Monday for the Week Ahead podcast. And please, theoilandgasconference.com, guys. It's going to be a great one.